podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You can't win anything with kids. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. How much are the players looking forward to Arsene Wenger arriving? <laughs> Hello and welcome to the last episode of this season of 2021 and the end of season three. We thought the best way to end this season would be to have a roundup and a look back at the year 2000s. A decade in life can seem a very long time or a very short time. There was a period when it became possible to change coaches 15 times a season or not change at all. The noughties we started to see the birth of the super stadium, the start of an owner revolution, with no less than three big clubs getting taken over by outside investment. And then transfer fees went wild. This week, I'm joined by just David Holland. How are you, mate? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Yourself? Yeah, not bad. Did you watch much of the football the weekend? Uh, well, yeah, unfortunately, both our teams got pumped, didn't they? So it wasn't a it wasn't a great weekend for Arsenal and Man United, that's for sure. But um, losing to Liverpool is not as bad as losing to Watford. But now we're all finding out that Oli Gunnar Solskjaer is a lovely guy. Because uh, that's, that's all we're hearing, isn't we? How, how lovely he is. Well, I mean, last week's episode, we went back in time and we looked at the, the, the best of Man United and the best of Arsenal and the best of Chelsea. And um, feedback was quite good for that episode. I really enjoyed it, listening back to it. Um, I wish I could go back to that decade, uh, obviously, with, with what we're seeing at the moment with both clubs. You know, oh, Well, Chelsea's the only one that uh, has uh, carried it on, isn't it? I mean, we're, we're going through a torrid time, the pair of us. Um, yeah, so I think we both agree that we're going back to that would be lovely. but. Um, I don't know. I think you've got more chance of getting back to glory days. We definitely haven't. Well, let's, let's look back. So this week, we're going to look back at the, the noughties, as we said. A few topics will come up. I mean, the noughties had so much. I know we've done the 90s and the revolution with Sky Sports coming in, the Bosman ruling. Uh, and then you go to the noughties, where it was just so much happened in football. I mean, every decade, obviously, so much happens in every p- political TV or whatever. Um, I'm going to start off with the Glatzkos. So I'll, I'll, I'll read you a little bit here, Dave. So, yeah. I mean, what a decade. Let's start with this, the rise and fall of the Galacticos. This was somewhat of a foul test. You know, Figo, Zidane, Beckham, Ronaldo all came in, but they've never really dominated world football. I think when they when they Perez signed them, every every year was a Galactico got signed, and the idea was they were going to go on to be the most dominant team in world football, but it, it never really happened for them. I, I think at the start, it, it was okay, wasn't it? Didn't they get a couple of Champions Leagues? Uh... From 2000, any big Valencia or 99 or something like that? That was first Galacticos. That was that was McManaman. That was just before the Galacticos came just after that. They, they, do you know what I think it is? I think every team that's gone on to do well have one or two world class players. I think it's the underrated players that make the team. Um, you know, like as we we discussed, like your Carricks and your McAladies and all that sort of stuff. The team players, you can't you can't have eleven luxury players. It, it for me, it, it, it just it just does it just would never work, and that's why it's probably well. Other than PSG, who like to do it now, really, um, it, it just can't work because you 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 can't afford. A lot of teams can't really afford to have one luxury player sometimes. When especially when depending on what league position you're in, you know, like um, a skillful player, or you know, like when you're trying to in a dogfight, is no good. Um, so to have eleven of them, uh, prima donnas, um, probably don't want to track back. You know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't work. I think you have one or two, and uh, and then you got you got you got the workhorses in the other teams that are willing to do the stuff that these boys are not not going to do. And I think that's why that failed. Um, on paper, it's amazing. It's what it reminds me of when you see it. It reminds me of like a glorified Adidas advert, <laughs> but they're all in Real Madrid shirts. 
Do you know what I mean? You know, like when you know when years ago when he used to come on and it showed you had your Ronaldo there and all the top players in the AS and they'd, they'd play a game against like monsters or something. And they, you know, like it was that's that's what the Galacticos was, wasn't it? It was just like a glorified uh, ADAS advert. Yeah. I, I think that's a, a good way of, put, of putting it. I mean, it is interesting in, in terms of what they achieved was 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 a little what they out that the outlay of the, the players they brought in were massive, obviously. But I think also, I don't know what it was. Watching them, they were amazing. Like just, it's amazing how they did it because although, although there's a lot of personalities like Beckham and Zidane and Roll and Ronaldo, everyone seems to have got on. I don't remember reading much about you know egos in that squad. The likes of you know Ronaldo and Beckham seem to have got on with each other. Then you had like Roberto Carlos was there as well. Um, uh, Acacias, Acacias was an academy player. I mean, do you, do you know what the problem was? It was all attacking players. Yeah, there was no there was no spine. You know, like it's all well and good having having them players. And I'm sure. I mean, I saw some clips the other day. I saw Beckham from a corner. I don't know if you've seen it. Where, where um, Roberto Carlos is on the edge of the box and Beckham just hit a ball, sweet ball. Just right out to him, pinpoint, and then um, Roberto Carlos hit it on the on the buddy Ollie left foot bottom corner. Right. It was amazing, and that's like, it's like Harlem Globetrotters stuff, you know. Yeah. That, that's what they basically were, but they never had any spine. It was all it was all attack, 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 and uh, and that's probably why it failed, you know. And uh, and again, you've got the problem of if you have too many of them, and you start leaving them on the bench. Then that calls that you know that causes unrest. You know what I mean? That's what you need to have a balance in a team. You know what I mean? Because uh, you've got to please all these players as well. Well, I think that's why Barcelona went on to, went on to that period because at that period in, in the I think the Glasgow era was kind of two thousand three ish to two thousand six seven, and in that period, um, arch rivals Barcelona won success successive uh, the league titles in two thousand five and two thousand six, and they won the Champions League in two thousand six, and they weren't amassing the same. Obviously, they're Messi to a factor to a point in that squad, and they had really good players. It wasn't a, a, an average team or by any stretch of the imagination. But I just think it's amazing that um, they didn't go on to dominate, con- considering in the last couple of years in, in Europe with Zidane and Ronaldo, there they won three Champions Leagues, on, you know, on a bounce, which is compared to this squad, like for like, it's it's amazing they couldn't dominate that back in that period. Uh, but I, I also, I also saw as well that they, they tried to sign Totti. Yeah, I mean, how do you, how do you drop Totty into that team and all? With, I mean, they're, they're play, most of them are playing in the same position. I know. Do you know what I mean? You'd have, you'd have, to, you know, if it, you know, just to get him on the pitch, you'd have probably Zidane at right back. <laughs> you know, you know, it's, it's getting silly. Like I say, I like I say, I you, as you well know, you need a balance in a team, and that team does have no balance. You know what I mean? Like you need, I mean, they're world class players, and it's brilliant. You know. It, and I think you know, kids would like, would have loved that. Like, at our age, where we were we were just uh, just coming out of school then, so we we found drink and women and all that. So you know, <laughs> we were probably wasn't as fascinated. But I could imagine the school kids, you know, young like secondary school kids coming in and saying, "Oh, the Galacticos, this," and yeah, yeah. you know, it would have been it would have been buzzing for that. But well, yeah, like I say, I was coaching at the time, and I remember more so when Beckham went definitely. But the amount yeah. of that, that Real Madrid shirts had popped up with kids training in Real Madrid first, which prior to that, you know, obviously we was at school, there was like very rare you got a kid, it was the odd person would have it. But when I was coaching, you'd get a lot of kids having Real Madrid shirts off the back of that. I mean, Perez focused on bringing, as you said, attacking players. It was all about bringing in attacking players. He didn't like like defensive, like Cloud Makaleli, one of the best defensive midfielders on his era, as we said. Um, he left when the club refused to raise his his low salary. So all these players are coming in, and the best t- player in that squad moved on to Chelsea, 
because they wouldn't pay him the same sums of money that were playing that the people. Well, they didn't think of they, they didn't think of him as 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 anything, did they? Because they just wanted these big names. So yeah, you know, obviously he's got he could do what he wants. This Perez, and he did. But he, he you know, whoever's advising him or giving him any advice has had a stinker, really, ain't they? Because look at what Claude McAlee went on to do. I think um, and, and he would have been ideal for them players that there. He would have been absolutely ideal. And yeah. you know, with him there, that's it's a different it's a different outcome, I believe. Well, that's just the final piece of the puzzle. Yeah, I, I I have to sort of agree with that somewhat. But I mean, they replaced him later on with um, ex Everton midfielder Thomas Gravison. Do you remember when he? Yeah, was? I remember that. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, he's got he's gone to be some sort of billionaire poker player or something. Yeah, isn't he? he's well successful apparently. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's he's raking the money in with the bird. Well, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, that's I mean, gone from the Galacticos to Thomas Gravison's the stinger, isn't it? Well, they signed Jonathan Woodgate another one. Um, yeah, I remember him. He he had got sent off and scored an own goal on his debut, didn't he? For them, stinker. Yeah. And there was a rumor, well, not a rumor, it was fact that they wanted to sign Ronaldinho before he went to Barcelona, but because of his ugly looks, they went for Beckham because they thought that Ronaldinho wouldn't sell the same amount of shirts. I mean, probably truthfully, um, as as Beckham would. Um, but he went on that season that they they signed Beckham instead of Ronaldinho, and Ronaldinho went on that season to win the uh, European Cup and the Ballon d'Or. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. <laughs> That's yeah. a bit of a liberty, though, isn't it? Imagine saying that. Like, nothing to do with football. We're just not signing you because you're ugly. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it could happen to me and you. Do you know what I mean? We might not well get a job because of our looks. But that is, <laughs> to come out and say it as well is a liberty, isn't it? Um, to the takeovers. Obviously, in the 90s and 80s, you have people taking over clubs. I mean, we've, we spoke about Jack Walker's millions um, in terms of a, a wealthy person coming in. But it was generally a business person that came in from the local community that took over a club. But then we yeah. obviously, we spoke about it last week with Roman Abramovich taking over at Chelsea. Um, but he was the first sort of super wealth investment that came in in 2003. But we also mm-hmm. had the Glazers taken over by you know, my club. Uh, quickly yeah. followed by the foul attempts of Hicks and Gillette at Liverpool, who nearly bankrupt mm-hmm. the club um, in their period, which is a shame, yeah. but that's another, another story. <laughs> um, Man City had two takeovers. They had the, um, what was his name? Shinshi something or other. It was Takawana, the, the, the yeah. Chinese or Philippine president at the time. That's right. Um, he, he, did he get nicked or so? He got, he got nicked to the end, didn't he? Basically, the, or was that the Birmingham one? I no, 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 no. Yeah, he, he, got, he was told basically had to sell everything because he had no actual money. And then Did he, they freeze his assets, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, you say, have the same West Ham with the Magnus Magnus guy. I can't remember his name. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Billionaire who came over. That, and he, that's why all that came in with the... Didn't they have to do that? They do checks now, didn't they? Financial checks on, on guys yeah. now because of all that sort of caper, wasn't it? There was always, there was always allegedly, and I'm air quotations here, there was always the, the, called the fit and proper owners. That's the fit and proper persons act. Yeah, yeah that's right. It's never been properly done because you look at people who have taken over clubs and you're thinking, what what task is that done um i mean when roman came into chelsea his wealth was over 18 billion pounds um the glazers used a leverage buyout at united um using the club's own money and debt to leverage against buying it um glazers are united fans over the time and we've got quite a few man united fans that listen so they can all have an opinion on on the glazers um but it split united massively at the time and it's still doing so now with um you know fc united got born because people didn't want to be a support of a club that was owned by American owners and leveraged so much debt onto the club. Um, Hicks and Gillette followed by the Glazers, as I said, around the same time. You had Randy Lerner at um, Villa who took over from Deadly Doug Ellis. Um, again, a disastrous spell. You know, do you remember any, anything about that period? Like, yeah, you know, did, did, uh, yeah, I remember. Like, I think American owners, 
if you're going to do a fit a person purpose, well, a fit a proper person's acting, I think you should just ban anyone from Americans from owning clubs because for me they just have stinkers. Um, well, I've got one at Arsenal now, and they just do you know what they don't understand football, and that's half the problem. One, they don't understand football, and two, they're not really interested in it. They, they, nine times out of ten, they've got a different franchise in America that they that they and they don't, they're not really asked like. Cronkier, he's for, for us. He's just, he's just not that asked, and he, he don't, he don't put no money in. I know May United. You know, say what you want about the Glaziers, but they do spend. I don't know how where the money comes from. You're more the financial, but they do splash out on players. So you can't, you know, you know, for, as a fact, I know that people have got their grievances with them, but you know, you want signings and you do get them. I've got, I'm on the other side of that where I, we don't get them, and that's what's, and that's what's, that's what's annoying. Well, with the Glazer, I won't go on it too much. We spoke about him in past episodes, so I won't bang on. But obviously, we're a very successful commercially run club. Um, and I think the diehard Man United fans, really hardcore Man United fans, um, have a lot more of an understanding than me. There's a bigger impact on them in the community. But I, I agree. I think you can't complain against the Glazers of not spending money when you look at our net spend since Ferguson left alone. We have spent money. I think the grievances with the fans generally is the fact there was a lack of communication um, there was a lack of investment in Old Trafford, which is it's not even on the UEFA list anymore to have Champions League finals or European games anymore because it's just so uh, run down. Um, I think that's a, a massive grievance for the fans and this infrastructure within the, the football side of things, having a football person that knows the club. But a bit like Arsenal, the same thing when David Dean left, when, when Gill left, people don't realise how important those two people were at, at both them clubs. Yeah. So I can definitely see the grievances with the, with the Glazers and also the debt on the club. doesn't really bother me as much with the debt. The interest payment does because it's a massive amount of money they pay in interest. Um, but it's money the club have got. And if they were to sell, you know, like Newcastle now coming on to the, the more peer, re- recent period, you know, it's only going to be a, a state-run club, people that can take it over because it's, it's valued at such a high amount anyway. And I don't really know if I would want to be run by Saudi owners um, that's all you're ever going to get now, though, isn't you? It's going to be well, multi-billionaires yeah. that are going to buy these Premier League clubs and no one else. That's all it's going to be. It's going to be Far East, Middle East sort of stuff, your Philippines and, you know, Thailand and all that sort of them sort of, you know, with money to burn. That's all that's ever going to buy these clubs. But um, I think Americans should just leave it alone because they just they just haven't got a clue. I mean, like Randy, going to Randy Lerner at Aston Villa, this is how you know that he ain't got a clue. Like he, he appointed Alex McLeish that he took from Birmingham, which was already going to start grief. You know what I mean? He just came straight from Birmingham to, to Villa, which is just doesn't go down well with the fans straight off the bat. Then he uh, then he, he gets rid of him and brings in Paul Lambert. I mean, come on. Other than being in the Champions League winning side of Dortmund, you know what I mean? That, you know, that's, you know, leave, leave managing alone. Uh, then he goes and gets rid of him and brings in Tim Sherwood. And then they end up with Remy Gard. Yeah. Now he's, you know, I forgot about him. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. What's he doing? I mean, he's paid for Arsenal, like, barely. <laughs> but, you know, you, you, when you're looking at them four managers, you know there's something, there's no one in there that's got a Scooby. What's going on? Yeah. You know what I mean? And then, and then yeah, and then and then he sold up in the end, didn't he? And uh, realised it's just they got relegated, didn't they? And that was that. Yeah. I mean, it goes... I think you're right. I think the takeovers... When you look at them, there's a, there are... I think you could say, really, apart from Roman... <clears throat> if we're sticking to this period, we won't use the, the later periods now. But Roman's the only one that really came in and you could say was successful at that takeover and, and not pissing off the fans. The fans are very much massive Roman Abramovich fans. Uh, yeah. He doesn't really seem to piss him off. The players, 
I mean, he was known for being quite trigger happy, but then you could have said about Doug Ellis and other pl- owners at the time with different periods. Um, but it was just interesting that it really became the Sky deal came in the 90s. The renegotiation of Sky deals in the 2000s exploded and everyone wanted to get into the Premier League because the money was so, so, so massive. And then the takeovers just was one after the other, after the other. There was probably, I think, 10 or 12 takeovers that in that period that were quite, you know, big. And I don't think many of them are still at the same club now. No, that, that Gillette and Hicks, didn't they? They had a massive falling out. They, they, they started together and all that, didn't they? Didn't they fall out of each other? And it just went spiral to shit then after that. Yeah, there was a lot of <clears throat> a lot of issues. And they had a load of debt, didn't they? I think one of them didn't have as much money as he made out and all that, wasn't it? Yeah, they're, they're a bit. Do you know? Remind me of. I, I, I'm sure it was. It's been done before. But you know, one of um, the Muppets, the two old geezers that sit in the stands and they criticise. Yeah. Them. They got the Fenway Group now, and, and I mean, yeah, it got it got so bad that the their debts were so bad that the Royal Bank of Scotland demanded to be on the board. Yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ. Well, it, I mean, if only it went the other way, that would have been such a shame, wouldn't it? Yeah, for, for, for they were there three years, wouldn't they? And then. Uh, but yeah, that was a disaster. Again, Americans. I just don't think they should be allowed to go near English football clubs. Uh, moving on to more of a tragic, tragic event um, in 2003. We had the first, that I can remember, the first death on a football pitch in Mark Vivian Foe arrested. Yeah. You know, the football world was shocked in 2003. Cameron Starr collapsed on the pitch during the fix of Congaf semi-final against Colombia and, and, and passed away. Um, you know, I was a big fan of Foe. I thought he was a fantastic player and, you know, next season when we, we talk about African players in, in football, his name will definitely come up again. You know, Kevin Keegan retired the number 23 shirt um, at City in his honour. Uh, Lenz retired the number 17 shirt in his honour. I mean, that was a... I remember it really well. Like, just the yeah, shot. Yeah, I do. We got recently with um, uh, Ericsson in the recent tournament having a similar situation. Lucky enough, the paramedics and it was a bit faster and a bit more modern compared to what it was. What, what, tell us about your memories of... Oh, yeah, I, I didn't even have to research it so I can remember it. And you know what I remember? Uh, the next day on the front of the newspaper... See, this is why you know, I've got a problem with the media and newspapers and that. I'm not a fan. But on the front page of the paper, it was him face down with his eyes wide open. You can see he was dead. Mm. You know what I mean? And they've just, they just got no class. They've got no sense of people's families and things like that. And I, that's the, that, I still I can see that image in my mind now. Like, it was just awful. Yeah. Um, but what's come of it? I mean, obviously, with tragedy, there's lessons that have been learned, and there's many lives that have been saved from it. Like Fabrice Mamba, remember him? Yep. Um, and like I say, I me and Alfie were watching the, the game recently where Ericsson went down, and it was exactly the same. Um, but like I say, again, they were the media again. The, the, the players had to surround him so that the, the, there's no cameras on him. But they're, they're zooming in on his on his wife or girlfriend in absolute distraught. Which is which is just sickening, you know. They should have just gone straight back to the studio. I know we're going off topic here a little bit, but um, yeah. Anyway, but yeah. So I just like I say, defibs now. I mean, I've not long been off off, off my uh, my f- uh, first aid course, so I've done all this sort of thing now. And de- having defibs at that, they've saved many lives, saved Ericsson's life, saved Miranda's life. Unfortunately for Foe, it, it was a little bit too soon in, in the times for that, mm. but. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was tragic, and I say he was a great player. I remember yeah. him. At, well, I remember him. Uh, he was at West Ham, was he? Yeah, it was at uh, Lens. Then went on to West Ham, and then uh, Leon. Yeah, I remember it. Yeah, he was a solid midfielder, wasn't he? Good, good player. Yeah, um, and it was just that was just tragic. And uh, but yeah, I, like I said, I can remember the front of the newspaper. It's awful. Um, it wasn't. And you think, like I say, you knew 
you look at these guys, and if that I mean how fit they are, they they train five six days a week, and it, you know it, it, life's just so short. You know what I mean? That guy should have had his whole life ahead of him. He's played playing football. You know what I mean? Doing all what we would dream of, and yeah. it's just cut short. It's tragic, but like I say, on the positive side of it, um, you know uh, what's come of it now is that. You know, there's there's paramedics on hand, and you know, and and people's lives have you know got a good chance of coming coming through. I mean, Eric, going back to Ericsson, they were so swift that he was he was back to life before he left the pitch. Yeah, which was yeah. which was amazing. It's a, it's a tragedy, of, of course, as you said, but there there was a lot of positive change in football from that. Um, obviously, someone had to lose their life. Unfortunately, it was foe. But um, yeah, I mean, as we said, it's it's a great player. Uh, very fond memories um, and hopefully we don't see any more deaths on the pitch part of the reason from him and Fabrice Mamamba and Ericsson have managed to, to well come. even though recently is Aguero isn't it well he's Aguero in trouble he's going to have to retire now yeah it's, it's it, the, the medical checks you, you would think though I suppose as time's gone with medical checks and, and then I remember we, we spoke to people and the medical check before was can you run can you can you kick a ball yeah well, that's fine get in there we want you you didn't really matter whereas now you would no chance if you the manager really wants a player and if he fails to medical, it's not happening because it's the liability yeah. is just too much now. You can't afford to, to, to risk no. having anything happen. And, and obviously, I, I think the heart um, scans and the CGI, well, the MRIs now are, are just so much more thorough than they would have been. And they'll find problems with, with heart conditions. And again, we spoke about it last week, so I don't want to go with it too much. But in May 2004, the world was introduced to the special one. The often eloquent and often arrogant, but very charming Jose, uh, had a very successful period in the noughties. He took little old Porto and uh, made them champions of Europe. And a, a quote that made headlines to a journalist was, are you proud to be appointed the Chelsea manager? And his reply was, you should be happy if they have a European Champions League winner for a coach. Um, the, the start of a real change in philosophy in football. You had Wenger with the first real change in, in the 96. And the noughties, I would say, Jose coming in, Rechange the way football was played in England again. What would you say about that? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, I'm like I said last week. I'm not a massive fan of Jose, but he, I think he was he was at his peak then. You know, like we hadn't seen anything like him before. And th- them statements that you just come there was great. You know what I mean? You got everyone thinking, "Oh, who's this fellow here?" Most of the team players, the fans, other than Chelsea fans, are thinking, "Well, I hope he falls flat on his face." But he came and uh, he tore it up, didn't he? We, we spoke about it last week. That his first season was amazing. So you, you can't knock him for what he for what he achieved, and yet you need you need character. Well, again, we spoke about characters; they're they're non-existent now. So you know, for someone to come in the way he did, you know, it's great. It's great for it's great for the Premier League. Yeah, I agree. I think it's um, it was fantastic him coming in. I remember uh, reading the, the headlines, and a friend of mine is a Chelsea is a Chelsea fan, and he was kind of ecstatic about the arrogance, and and I think he's he's he's. Demeanor, his personality fit with Chelsea at the time because they were a club that weren't really liked that often by a lot of people. Roman had come in, they sat Ranieri, who was popular at the time. Uh, and last week's episode, we played a clip of Peter Kenyon coming in and saying, Well, after a week, we knew Ranieri wasn't the man for us. And obviously, in England comes Jose. Um, but he revolutionized, I think, not revolutionized, maybe not the right word, but I think he brought something to the Premier League that even Ferguson had to change. He's model of football because he realized i think we said before where you when you know we always known for you know getting through to christmas and then christmas on would kick in that was yeah. t- t- taken away you couldn't do that anymore under a jose because it was from day dot to the end of the season those teams were just machine like 
um, and the way the powerful forward, you know, the big man up top, the, the shutting down quickly. And then United had the change and Arsenal had the change and Arsenal couldn't adapt to it. Obviously, money-wise was a bit different that time when you build in the stadium. But he was just phenomenal. I mean, he, his career is not as... I think his, his career's harmed slightly. I don't think we mentioned as the one of the world's best uh, in another 10 years. If he keeps going down the road, he's gone down. But yeah. Um, yeah but is that, like I say, when he came in, he's, he's he, like you say, his demeanor, he's not the same person, is he? I mean, I know everyone changes, but it's even his, his interviews and that weren't the same anymore. He was more, you know, arsey, wasn't he? Before he was, he was quite witty and, you know, the things he come out with, you could, you could like laugh at and you could get on with. But towards the end, he was bitter, wasn't he? Yeah, it's easy to do when you're winning and you're you've come in and you you are so confident that you know you're going to win things and you, you've your jewels with Ferguson and Wenger and all this and you're winning trophies. Then you go abroad and you're winning trophies and you come back and you win a trophy. Then when it goes wrong, there's a pattern that's coming into play and you can't change it because you're so arrogant. Because it was, why wouldn't you be when you won what he's won? And he hasn't been able to adapt to now what the Pep and the Klopp era of football is and, and the. The, the Ajax mould of football hasn't been able to adapt to that. And I think, you know, it's very easy in football now. You can become a dinosaur very quickly. Um, yeah. You know, you've you, just got, you've got a cycle, haven't you? Like you say, you, I know you, Ferguson managed to, to do reju rejuvenate himself a few times. Yeah. And not many people could do it. Wenger didn't do it. No. I don't think, you know, I, I, I wouldn't go as hard to say Jose did. Jose's had a, had, had a bit of a lifespan, like a, you know, like a milk bottle. He's had a bit of a lifespan. Yeah, and now he's just you now he's just bouncing from club to club. The Jose that turned up at at uh, Chelsea in was was it two thousand and four? Two thousand three, I think. Not, yeah. That that Jose is never turning up at Tottenham, ever. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it, 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 you know, he's, that's how you know he's got he, his 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 lifespan's gone to shit because that man's not taking that that Jose's not taking a Tottenham job ever. Agreed. <laughs> well, we spoke. I spoke about Steven Gerrard, didn't I? Um, a couple of weeks ago, I, I, I thought he was fantastic in our players that we picked, that we admired. And what better than to talk about um, Istanbul, yes. uh, Champions League final. I mean, for someone to drag a team from 3-0 down at half-time to go on to win the Champions League, I don't think we'll ever see it again. Honestly, like, like I say, it was like a one-man show. Yeah. Um, to just pull a team, it, it was just amazing. I know you talk about Keane doing stuff like that, but this, no, no, yeah. it, hmm. I mean, uh, that final was at it all. It had it all. You know, I mean, it was a stinker of, uh, I mean, it couldn't have gone worse for Liverpool first half. Um, and they, to, to get it back to 3 3 and then win on pennies, it was just it unbelievable. Un I mean, you, uh, that's a game you could watch over and over and over again and still be sh shocked at what happened. Yeah, I mean, it was a uh, yeah, it was. You never see. I mean, to be a Liverpool fan or to be a fan of a game like that where your team's come and done that must be must be a magic. I mean, you had the similar sort of thing with '99, where it was dead and buried. That last gasp, them last moments where it looks like it's all over with, mm. and it and it's just and it, and it spins around in your favour is is just amazing. Like I say we have QPR for people on it, don't we? Miller and with Zamora, them just last them last minute moments are just what what it's all about. And uh, and for me, it was you'll, you'll never see a display like that ever. I don't think. I, I remember watching it. Well, I, I say watching. I didn't. I, I left. I had it on, um, and I was. It was. I watched it downstairs in the sitting room. And it went to three nil, and I was like, I'm done. I'm finished now. Uh, I've never watched anymore because it's, it's over, dead and buried. And I went upstairs, and then uh, it was before WhatsApp and all that stuff. Obviously, this is like 2000 and 
was it 2004 was it that this game five uh, wasn't it was it five hold on yeah i think it was two five 2005 and then i remember it got to um free free and i was getting these barrage of texts but i was like oh, i'm not interested that like, liverpool fans texting me I was like no nah, i'm not interested and then next thing you know, my dad's ringing me, going, are you watching this? I said, no, I turned off. He's like, it's penalties. I said, what do you mean? And he said, oh, it's free free. I said, what do you mean it's free free? He said, that's free free. So I remember it was ITV and I had to wait up until like one in the morning to watch the replay of all the highlights on the, the, to watch yeah. the game. So I didn't experience it live. And since that, I've been very rarely, I've had to turn off a game when someone's three nil down because Newcastle Arsenal four nil down a couple oh, of years. Oh, thanks for bringing that one up. I knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let me look at the teams, right? I mean, for me, this is the worst team that's ever won the Champions League, right? I'm going to read you the two. Yeah, yeah, go on. Hit me. I know, I know there's a few players in there. Valimir Smeets is in there. He scored, didn't he? Uh, yeah, Smeets scored. Uh, he scored, but he came off the bench. But the first yeah. Jersey dude, like, all right, he was decent. Stephenen, Jamie Carragher, Sammy Hippia, Torre, Ajabi Alonso, Garcia, Steven Gerrard, John Arnaiz, Harry Cole, M- Milan Barros, on the bench, Scott Chuck Carson, just uh, Johnny, Je- 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 no, I don't know who he is, some Spanish bloke. Diddy Haman at the end of his career, Antonio Nunes, Igor Biscan, Gibral Cisse, and Valamis Smicha. Against, right? Listen to this in goal, Dida, Cafu, Yapstam, yeah. Nesta, Paolo Maldini, Pirlo, Gattuso, Seedorf, Kakar, Shevchenko, and Crespo. No, that team, that's that Macy Milan team is unreal. <laughs> oh my God. They must have been fuming for what happened to them. They, is- they probably looked at that team sheet, and when they were three 0 up, for what? <laughs> they, yeah, they, they honestly, they probably still have nightmares about that game now. How um, they, let, they let that slip? That team you just rattled off of Milan is unreal. The back four alone: Nesta, Stam, Cafu, and Maldini. I mean, they two of them get in most of our dream teams, if not yeah. potentially. You yeah. know, you know how many how many goals would they ship? I mean, I don't know what happened this night. And then obviously, as you said, the Gerard performance, the FA Cup game against West Ham and this this yeah, game. Yeah. Um, with the players that are around him, I mean, they're pretty I mean, really, if you're comparing like for like, I mean, it's it's in a very average Liverpool team against a well oh, that, that team has no right to win the Champions League. No, no right. No. But that's what's that's what Gerard that's what Gerard was for me. I think Gerard, I mean, I said it before, he had that in him, you know, like that's how for me. He's England's you know, the most well-rounded defender, uh, midfielder we've ever we've ever produced, and yeah. it's for things like that on the big stage. He he stepped up. Yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't argue with anything on that. I mean, when you look at the performance in a game like that against a team like that, you're just thinking it's just, just it's mental, absolutely mental. But I'm going to move on to um, we spoke about the American owners, the MLS in in the noughties. How yeah. that became <clears throat> didn't explode, but Beckham moved to MLS uh, to LA Galaxy, and all of a sudden, as I said, you started seeing you know the Real Madrid shirts at the time. When Beckham went to MLS, it was the first time I'd ever seen football shirts from MLS club from an American club on in kids uh, with Beckham yeah. name on it, and Landon Donovan for some reason was quite well liked by a lot of the kids. Uh, Dave Beckham moved there for five year contract at LA Galaxy, and it earned him a total of thirty two and a half million dollars. And that's only a small piece amount compared to being allowed to own a franchise, which was one of the reasons why he went. He's now set up into Miami, into Miami, you know, I think 10, 15 years later. But that was a big part of why he decided to go because you can't just get a franchise in, in MLS. You have to be voted in and there's, there's loads of politics behind it. But one of the reasons he went to LA Galaxy is the, the point that he could have a franchise when he, when he wished. 
Um, and he turned into a genuine money printing factory at Galaxy, and they earned around $200 million in sponsorship deals in the first season. They sold over a quarter of a million Beckham jerseys. I mean, that is phenomenal. Do you remember, do you remember him going there? Because he was, he yeah, went... I remember him going there. Yeah, I remember because he, he, he came what? back and had a few loan spells. Yeah, he did. He went to uh, PSG. He went to AC, he went to AC Milan, funnily enough, didn't he? And then he went PSG because yeah. they're closed. But their season finishes in in our January, doesn't it? So it means that he uh, could yeah. go some sort of close season. But no, for for me, Beckham going there was was the the best thing that ever happened to MLS. Yeah, you know, I know that it's always been there, and there has been players that have gone there, haven't there, over the years? Didn't Pele and all that play there, and you know that all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So they've always had teams over there, but it's just been nothing. But he is just a, just a wherever he goes, he's he's just he takes he just takes everything with him, doesn't he? He's just a he's just a media he's just a media god. Yeah, you know. So wherever he goes, he's going to make whoever whatever he wears, wherever he goes, he's just going to make him money. And uh, like I say, for him to get a franchise there was ideal because the fame that he brought to the MLS. Is, uh, means that he could have one, and then whoever was behind getting him over there was was a masterstroke. Oh, I mean, because uh, you know, I never heard of any of the teams there at the time, and then, he, and then I know Henri went to New York Red Bulls and all the rest of it. But um, yeah, that was all off the back of um, of, of Beckham. So it, for me, it was a masterstroke him going there. The, the the standard of football was terrible when you got Bradley Wright Phillips being their all time greatest goal scorer at some point, and when he, he was he was hitting 30, 40 a season. Bradley Wright Phillips, and he weren't even the best brother, so uh, so the standards were shocking, but um, but I think they're coming and they're coming on, on a little bit, isn't they? The old Yanks when it comes to first, I think their women are unreal. But um, when I was out there, when I coached out there, um, and it, it when I coached out there, football as in soccer was the most taken up sport in America uh, under 11s. So under 11s is the most played sport in America, boys and girls. And then obviously once it gets over 11s and you start getting the pressure from the NFL, not the NFL, but the college basketball and other sports, uh, football dropped off. Uh, one, because of the money. The money was nowhere near as, as much as it would be to go in any of the other professions. Um, and two, the women's side of things was, I think, a, a, a large stage was better paid than the men's for a period. I don't know if that's still the case now. Probably not. Um, but I think the surprise of Beckham going there, he was 32 at the time when he left Real Madrid. And he could have gone at 32 to anywhere. He could yeah, have gone, he, could. he could have stayed at Real Madrid if he really wanted to, I think. Or he could have gone to Milan. He could have come back to England. He could have gone anywhere at 32 because he was still, he never relied on his pace. It was about his position in passing. And that never left him until he retired. You know, he was no. out there for, for five years. Uh, obviously, he went to PSG in Milan. and um, But yeah, I mean, that is a, a massive, massive shock. And it did open the door because you said about Pele and other players, but a lot of players went there at the back end of their career, like the proper... Oh, that was what it was. It was always going going there to retire, wasn't it? Yeah. Even Gerard, funny enough, he went he went LA Galaxy as well, didn't he? He did, but he was but he he was not a spent force. So that would be wrong. But he wasn't the player he was at Liverpool, and he wasn't. No, no, no. Do you know what I mean, whereas Beckham, he had a massive amount to sort of for any club he went to. As he's shown when he went to Milan, and they tried to to keep him, but he had a, this five year deal, and the same with um, PSG, they tried to sign him, but he obviously knew from a business point of view. That he wanted that franchise, and I think yeah, no, he's very, very, very clever. Yeah, very clever. He knows exactly what he's doing. Uh, but like I say, going back to the American sports, we was talking to Robbie Musto, and Robbie Musto was saying, wasn't he? It's very difficult. Soccer will never get ahead of your basketballs, your baseballs. Yeah, it's so it's it's just so difficult to break that market. 
Yeah. Um, so they'll always be a little bit uh, behind all of us because it's our national sport. Mm. But, um, but yeah, no, Beckham going there. Beckham's going there when he was, yeah, he was, he still had, still had some stuff left in the locker. When did he still play? He's still playing for England when he went over there, wasn't he? I think he did was. He not come back and having it nationals. I'm sure he did. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure he was still playing because I think that was one of the things he got, that not got criticized, but one of the things was should he be playing for the national team when he's playing in like MLS? And I think there was a bit That's of a controversy right. about that, but uh, he got phased out due to that, I think, at that, the back end of that, because he was playing in MLS, it was a lower standard of football. What's next, Dave? What would you mention as a next topic? Would you say something about the England flops, maybe? Yeah, why not? With, with, it, that was uh, that was a stinker, the old Wally with the brolly. Steve <laughs> McLaren, great coach, manager, no. And uh, that was a torrid, that was a, just a torrid qualifying campaign. Mm. It was absolutely shocking. And um, some of the, I mean, the, the, the fucking, the group we were in was, how we didn't qualify was ridiculous. But Croatia, fair enough. We should have been fighting out with them. Russia, you know, give or take, you know, you know, they should be a hard game. We should beat them. Israel, Macedonia, Estonia and Andorra. How do we not qualify from that group? It's ridiculous. And I'll tell you how we don't qualify from that group because, I'm looking at that. I looked at that England squad earlier, and they are bang average, bang average. Um, but the, yeah, so and look, this is just one of the squads: Carson, Mika Richards, Campbell, Lescott, Wayne Bridge, Wright Phillips, Gerard, Barry, Lampard, Joe Cole, and Peter Crouch. Now, Gerard, yes, great. Lampard, great. But I, I, I look at that. I look at that squad, and I'm thinking. For me, it's, it's it's average. All right, it's an average squad, but there's players that were injured from that because Rooney was around that time. Emil Heskey was, yeah. was around. A lot of players were injured over that, that period. But do you know what? This is the first tournament or first period where it, it really got mentioned about the big debate of starting about the small, poor of English players to choose from. You just mentioned that as bang average. And one of the reasons that was mentioned is because the power of the Premier League and the, the foreign influences coming over was said that England managers had such a small pool to pick from now that this would happen. Um, but yet you look at the squads now and how we've developed under Southgate to a point, um, and there's more foreign players than there's ever been, really, compared to there to now. But yeah. I fell out of love with English football after that period. I, I was really bored of it. I thought we were... I, I've always been nervous for a long time. But, I mean, you still, as you said, you should have qualified. It's the first major... Well, I mean, I went through the results... And we scraped a 1-0 win against Macedonia away. Peter Crouch scored. And then we played Macedonia again at Old Trafford. We drew 0-0. Shocking. Oh, we lost 2-0 away to Croatia. Gary Neville, finally, I scored an own goal. Yeah. Uh, we drew 0-0 with Israel. Yeah. Away at Israel. Oh, I mean... The, the McLaren was awful. And then we lost 2-1 to Russia in Russia. Mm. Rooney scored. And we lost three two at home to Croatia. We didn't deserve. We did not deserve to, to qualify, and we got we got our just desserts. Yeah. The worst thing about it was not only didn't we qualify, right? We we finished third in that group. We only we only just beat Israel Israel in that group on goal difference. Otherwise, we could have finished fourth. That's out of a seven group, a seven team group that had Macedonia, Estonia, and Andorra in it, and we could have finished fourth if it wasn't for goal difference. Yeah. I mean that is that is disgraceful it was absolutely disgraceful but like you say McLaren wasn't great you know 
Oh, no, but like I said, the play, for me, no, I mean, it, hindsight's a wonderful thing because at the time we were probably going mental about how this team didn't qualify. But, you know, we, we, we're, we're 15 years down the line. And, and like I say, the players that I rattled off, are not, you know, only a, only a handful of them are getting in, a, in, a team, in an England team now. Well, the, the, I think this is a lot to do with management as well because it was almost, it was the golden generation of this pressure. We're supposed to win something. We had a decent couple of tournaments. Sven then got kicked out, uh, or rightly was sacked. And then we had, uh, we were linked to at the point after he left, it was Scolari was linked to, um, but we, we mucked that up and they turned us down. And then I think we were linked with, I think Sam Allardyce was linked with it loosely. Um, and I think also Alan Kerbisley had an interview for the job. But eventually they went to Steve McLaren, who was the number two under Sven. Wasn't very good at international, at, at the, Managing in the Premier League when he went to, I think, Blackburn. Blackburn, I think Blackburn at the time. He should have never been in charge. And he's proven he's a good coach, but not a good manager. Um, and I think it was that period where we, we was were lost. There was, there, was, there was no transition. It was kind of the golden generation all kind of left at a very similar time at their peak of powers, like Rio, uh, Beckham, Gerrard, in terms of real quality. Rooney was obviously coming through, but I think he was tarnished by the the, the, the players and the manager before him. Um, and obviously it take, it's taken until now really to, to really push on since 2004, 2005. So yeah. it wasn't a good period. I don't think the noughties overall was a good period for English football in, in internationally. We, no. we just, you know, 2010 wasn't particularly great. Um, yeah. I, I, it, it was a, a rough period for English football. Um, let, let's move on. Cause I, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Cause they're just, they're just frustrating me speaking about them. <laughs> By the end of the year, Maldini would place third in the Ballon d'Or, despite being already 36. The final years of Maldini's career were just as exceptional as the first. In 2005, AC Milan would make it to the Champions League final once again after defeating Man United, PSV and trashing Inter 5-0. Maldini, despite his age, would open the score sheet in the final in the first minute. Before retiring, Maldini would make sure not to leave his international legacy in such a sour note, as two years later he would help AC Milan make it to their 8th Champions League final since he joined the club. They would once again face Liverpool, as Filippo Inzaghi would open the score sheet and then double their lead in what would look once again to be an easy win. AC Milan had won it again, the 5th time in Maldini's career and the 7th in the club's history. Maldini lifted the trophy at 39 years of age, the oldest ever captain to do so. Having won the Champions League five times and seven Scudettos, he has an unbelievable resume. Maldini is football royalty, a name to be respected, a name to be feared, maybe the name of the greatest defender of all time. A god. Yeah. The, the, the Maldini, Paolo Maldini retires in 2009. Yeah. One of the biggest retirements, and only until Ferguson retired, I would say, was, was equal in terms of legendary status over 25 years over a thousand games inspirational performances trophy after trophy Paolo Maldini finally said goodbye to AC Milan bringing down the curtain on a glorious and glittering career I mean he played for Milan since 85 and it's nothing short of remarkable it just not even getting injured really no drop off no letdowns not until Ronaldo at this age now have we seen a player that just doesn't seem to age um and he was combative, he, athleticism, his style, his good looks, running up and down, crossing from deep, driving forward. He could dribble. I could go on and on and on and on and on about this man. We, we spoke about him umpteen times, yeah. but the quad retires. 
Uh, it's, it's a sad day for football. That man should have lived on and played forever. I think he probably still could. There's probably teams he could still get into. Get he is, I've, I've said this before because you know I've waxed Liverpool about him. He is the greatest defender for me that's ever that's ever laced up a pair of boots. He had everything. Like I say, he had longevity, like you said, injuries with no problem. He, he'd be second in the Ballon d'Or in 95 to old George Ware. <laughs> I mean, defenders and that don't usually get any of that. He he was he just had it all. He's he's uh he could, he could bring the ball out, he could play on the left, he could play left defense, center defense. He probably could have gone in goal. He was he was just the epitome of of defending, especially Italians. I mean, because Italians are known for their defenders. And if you if you you just I can you can guarantee that if you ever asked anyone about Italian defender, his name's got to be the first one that comes off off their lips. He I mean it would have been lovely. It would have been great to see him if, uh, try his hand elsewhere, but I have no doubt he would have, he'd have been great no matter, no matter where he went. Um, and uh, obviously, uh, AC Milan, he is a god. I and mean, I think his, his, son's, his son's playing now, isn't he? Yeah. Um, so that name, that name will live on that, that, in Milan. Isn't it? Sorry, mate. What a shadow that is to bear down. I know. <laughs> I know. But his father played as well, didn't he? Yes. Yeah, the Maldini name is just synonymous with Milan, isn't it? Yeah. I think it'd be a sad day when it, when there's not a Maldini in the squad. I think that's their, cool. their team is just to keep Maldini in the squad for as long as they can. Um, yeah. Um, do you know who Joey's, Joey's last Champions League game was against? No, I don't. Arsenal. Oh, was it? Arsenal knocked him out 2-0 in a Champions League quarterfinal or whatever it was, or second round. And that was Maldini's last... That season, it was Maldini's last Champions League game. Oh, my Fucking God. Go, I'm fuming about it, to be honest with you. <laughs> I didn't want it to be my team that retired in from the Champions League. I'm not happy about it. I might get that scrubbed off of Wikipedia to Liberty. <laughs> well, there's another retirement, just to, to, just briefly. I mean, we, obviously that one was um, Romario, Mr. 1000. He also oh. retired in, in the same year. I think 2009 he retired. Another legend. I, I've, yeah. I've put him I've put him in my uh, in one of my team, a couple of my uh, yeah. teams that we've done. He was a, a goal machine. Unbelievable. It was the, the passing of the torch between him and R9, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, just another one, you know. There's a few retirements in football that deserve a proper send off. Richard done last night. Oh, Ari. Oh, it's in the net. It's a goal. I think the Irish players are appealing for a handball here. He's given the goal. We have yet to see a replay. 13th minute of the first. Period of extra time. Maluda's free kick. Well, there's, there's an outside with Scalati. Now, does he almost end up on it? McShane lets it drop. Yeah, it's Henri. Handball. And Gallus puts it in the net. But there's the handball by Henri. And by the way, not just one, George, but twice. It's actually hit him on the arm, and then he's controlled it with his hand. Just watch it from this angle. Yes. And then he's knocked it back to Gallus, and it's easy, but... Oh, That's a handball, no question about it. Absolutely no question about it. And France have stolen the lead on aggregate. 2009, faced yeah. unbelievably injustice of that scumbag, Mr. Thierry scumbag Omri, with a handball, <laughs> deliberate handball, knowing what he's did, no sportsmanship, denied it to this day. Oh, no, 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 no. And he knocked <laughs> Ireland out. I mean, scumbag. Agree, Dave? Scumbag? No, no, no. The thing is, I've got to be careful here because I've worked for an Irish firm now. And, uh, <laughs> You know, I could end up being sacked by going too mad about this subject. Um, I can't, I, you know, I could, 
Ryan Giggs, I could call a scumbag and not not bat an eyelid, but I can't be called in a even though it was a dog move. Yeah, um, yeah. it was a you know, it's 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 a hard one because you got a whole nation on your on your shoulders. You know what I mean? Would you? Of course, it, you is, would. it is a fine line between being loyal and you know and doing doing the right thing when you could go to a World Cup or whatever it was. Yeah, um, yeah. but uh, it was outrageous. They wouldn't have qualified. They needed to win as well. Is that what it was? It was it was not yeah. oh that was oh that's right, it was a playoff, wasn't it? Yeah, sorry, that was it was a playoff, yeah. Yeah, shit, yeah. So, you know, do you take your cut? Do you I mean how would it have gone down with, with the French if he would have turned around and went, no, actually that wasn't a goal. Sorry, that that's not happening, and they don't go through. I don't I don't know. Would they would they have been as loyal to him as you you know, to go for a fair play for being sportsmanship? We're not going to the World Cup. Well, that's that is that is the question, isn't it? Really? I mean, they could have gone on to it might have gone to penalties and they could have gone through anyway. I mean, Trapattoni was in charge of the Iron team, uh, the, the Irish team at the time, and they went unbeaten in their group with four wins and six draws. And they were could have pit this the they could have been pitted against Portugal, Greece, or Russia for a place at the World Cup in South Africa, but they got France. And it's a draw that nobody wanted. It's the only game they did not want. You know, it was Henri, Anelka, um, Maluda, Benzema, Evra, Galas. So many were great players. And but but they were unbeaten as their group stages, so they they fancied their chances, and then it was obviously they'd done really well in, in the game, and then obviously you get twat face the size. It's, it's a it's a harsh it's a harsh way to go to not to not go through. Like it's one that will stay forever. Well, there was, um, it was looked at, and, and today it doesn't happen. Today it's ruled out. That's it. VAR just that's it. There's no there's no this doesn't happen. Yeah. But but you can't you know you can't live you can't live in the I'm like, sure you can't of live. replaying it and trying to there was loads of uproar about it because it was so obvious and blatant obviously in, to see as a fan on the TV mm-hmm. um, and I don't even think Omri ever came out and apologized. I might be wrong someone correct me if I'm wrong but I don't even think Omri came out and apologized all this nah, year. I don't think, think he did. You know what? The you thing know. is, remember Arsenal done it? Remember Canu done done something against Sheffield United? Was it in the FA Cup or whatever? Well, the pass throwing a foul play threw it through it and he scored yeah. from it and they replayed that game, didn't they? Yeah. Probably we're hoping to die off for that, but FIFA nah. is so is so corrupt anyway. And back then they need a France in their World Cup. Yeah, over an island, they need you know as much as I you know well, I spoke about this before. The home nations that I I think that they're they're superb. The fans that they bring, and and like you said, the, the run they went on that World Cup qualifying campaign, they deserve to go. Yeah, but but with, with your old um, uh, set bladder and all that sort of stuff, they want they're wanting a France in it. Yeah. So there was no way they were going to replay that fixture. When you think of the noughties now, in terms of successful teams, two things come to mind. Spain, Spanish football, and Barcelona. You know, in 2009, Barcelona become the first club in history to win everything. Six titles in one year. Domestic champions, Super Cup, uh, Champions League, European Super Cup, Club World Cup. They won everything in, in 2009. And then Spain, obviously, internationally, won the, uh, done like what France did in the, in the 90s, and they won the, the World Cup and the championship or the Euro championships. That Barcelona team, as we said last week, with United's peak period, the only team that were better was the Barcelona team of 2006 to 2009. Henri went over there later in his career, and Ronaldinho were there. But the most successful period were the Messi, Iniesta, uh, Xavi, Pica. I mean, that Barcelona team, d- d- disgusting. Unreal. Unreal. And it, you know, it, it, there's no, 
it's no coincidence why Spain was so dominant in that era as well, winning the Euros and that. <laughs> Most of them were Barcelona players anyway, aren't they? They, they, they? they do bring in some star players and stuff, but they do have their players that come through with you, Javis and Iniesta's. And it was all that tick-attack of football at the time, wasn't it? That was what was being played. It was pass-pass, a million passes, wasn't it? Yeah. And Spain had that down to a T for that period of time. And it just it just it just fell into the to Barcelona doing the same thing, which is why they were so successful. Mm. But their team was unreal and all. I say they, they had uh, Samuel Eto was there, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. And he smacked he smacked 34 goals that season. Yeah. Um, and so so much that then Henri they they stuck out on the left. Yeah. But he whacked 24 goals and all. You know what I mean? So you, you had a team with Henri, Messi, Xavi, Iniesta. Eto, um, you had Eric Abadal, who was fucking decent as well. Their team was their team was just unreal. Mm. Their team was unreal. That that team, we know we spoke about the three best Premier League teams last week. You know, if we're doing teams over up the period that we speak about, that team's got to be the best team that's that's yeah. one of the best teams ever ever assembled, isn't it? Hard to argue. As I said last week, if you know United's peak team 2006, 2009, or five to eight, whatever you want to, to, to define it, would have gone down. As if Barcelona didn't come along at the same time, because it's very rare, it's a bit like Renat Messi and Ronaldo, two players at the same time. It's very rare you get two teams that are that good at the same period as the United yeah. and Barcelona were. And I think if Barcelona come along four years later, United would have won two or three more Champions League under Ferguson. But the Barcelona team was just just superior, you know, as it pains me to say, but they were. And as you said, their style of our brand of football is what we now know as modern football. You know, in 2000, you know, Seven eight, this was being done, and, and we're still playing it 12 13 years well, later. That's what it was. It was played from the back, it was just pass, pass, pass. Like they'd have a million passes between them, wouldn't they? Hmm. And then it would just, you know, it was, yeah, it's as we know it now. The only difference is that the keeper's involved in the in the passing of it all now, but even so, yeah, um, they were there, they were some team. Like I say, you talk about Galacticos, you know, at the start of this program, you know, you, you could say that, you know, that. You start reading off their team, but their team had the difference is their team had balance. Yeah, their team had structure. The yeah. Galacticos were just were just a just a team of world class players, but um, they were just attacking world class players, and that was about it. There was nothing to it. It was just that their their owner or chairman wanted world class players on the back of their shirts, and that was what it was. Regardless, it was it. They I never enjoyed watching Barcelona play it massively. If I'm honest with you, because I just found it sometimes. And I think the media were very loved up with it. And a lot of fans who watched it was, I watched a lot of Spanish football before I had kids. I used to watch a lot of Dutch and Spanish football. And obviously I can appreciate the quality of what they were doing, keeping the ball. And, but I always found a lot of their games quite boring because it yeah. wasn't competitive. It was just that one team was so good at keeping the ball and then score. And then they, it was just almost like, well, it's not fun watching one team dominate. I understood the philosophy and I, I enjoyed bits of it when they were dominating against a good team. But watching them in the Spanish league, the formality of it was just quite boring. Um, it's and all think, possession based, isn't it? So when you're yeah. seeing someone just pass, 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 I mean, it, 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 you know, if, if it's one, one end to the other and it's passed and it's done within, you know, a bit of pass and moving, done within six passes and it's one end to the other and a goal comes of it, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. But it's not always that. It was it was a patient build up with it, or wasn't it? It was, yeah. after, and then it go back and it. And it was all this patient, yeah. So I can totally understand what you mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what they did was they just, just what they did was just they, they had the ball so much that they just, just wore the game, wore, wore them down because when, without the ball, it, you know, you're losing so much energy that they wear you down and then just destroy you. Yeah. You, you, you had Greece winning the Euros. Uh, 
You had the oh, yeah, they, they scored five goals the whole tournament, didn't they? That was rough. Or six <laughs> goals. It was all one nils, wasn't it? Yeah. It was rough, that was. But, you know, they won it at the end of the day. Yeah, no, they, they, they still, we still haven't done it, so we can't knock them. Yeah, I think that's covered everything. Is there anything that I've missed that you can think of? England, Germany. That was in 2001, <laughs> the 5-1. That's right. Under, under Sven. That was one of the greatest, <laughs> the greatest games ever. I mean, that was unbelievable, the 5-1. I win a hat trick. Emil Heskey, when he scored, he done the old DJ bit. And our man Gerard, wasn't it? How hard, Gerard? That's how hard. <laughs> Superb. That just that was right at the beginning of the noughties. That was that was two thousand and one. Yeah, yeah. So that was just yeah, just way to Germany. Whenever you never again would that be? You know what I mean? Yeah. Be, uh, that, what was that? Two thousand and one. When did Kalina retire? I think that was one of his last games, wasn't it? Oh, probably. Oh, probably. Yeah, I remember Kalina. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, it was, oh, 2002, I think he retired. That World Cup, I think he left the, the last one. But he, man, he was the ref for that game. Um, I mean, talking about anything, I mean, yeah, how can we not mention Noel Kalina? He was the, the referee of the, the, the 2000. Yeah, bald head, yeah. No, he was, yeah, he was just, I mean, when you, anytime you got in referee and you knew you was in for, it's amazing because referees in the, in the noughties, I think, become really pr- prolific in terms of becoming personalities almost. You know, Graham Pohl yeah. was players like that. And man, sorry, referees like that. And becoming centerpiece of the game. Uriah Rennie. Yeah, Uriah Rennie. But Kalina was just how I mean he's a model referee. I don't ever think I saw him have a bad game. Or there was he, there was referees, and then there was he was the referee, wasn't he? Yeah. He was the he was the one. Yeah. You know, you had you had decent refs, but you, he was he was class, he was world class, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh god, yeah. He was oh, yeah. I mean yeah, I don't ever think. I think when you knew he was on the pitch as a referee, you knew you were going to get fair, unbiased, and he would read the game of how to yeah. how to read the game of what that game needs. Does it need the yellow cards to come out? Is it getting too hot? Do I need to? Can I just let this game flow? You know, he knew about who 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 personality of players was. I think he got it right every time. And everyone yeah. can disagree with me, but it, I just don't think we, we've seen a referee like him since. And obviously, we won't now with, with the modern football we've got. Um, no. you know, he was he was he was the 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 referee for the two one uh 99 game for Man United Bayern Munich, the five one uh England game. So he's got a lot of fond memories for a lot of the clubs that we, we we've been part of in terms of um what he's achieved. He's... But uh, Dave, I think we'll leave it there. Obviously, it's just two of us this week. Um, yeah. everyone's really busy and trying to keep up and, and keeping the podcast going. But I mean, really, guys, any feedback you've got, please let us know. Um, episodes for season four any guests you want to have on any topics you want to hear us cover please just send us an email at the phoenix five show at gmail.com or visit our twitter page or our instagram page um that's it dave so that's it until christmas maybe after new year we'll come back um yeah. and pick up some more topics and that's it you got anything planned now for the next couple of weeks time nah, off? just graft yeah get get to get to the 22nd and i've got two weeks off so that'll be beautiful lovely and, uh, yeah then um brush up on me older uh, 90s and noughties football ready for the new season fantastic well Dave um, lovely as always and hopefully we'll have a few more um, of the of the other lads back next season and uh, have a lovely week and uh, a good Christmas I don't speak to you before Podcast Network.